Thank you, Mario. Well, Psalm 37, if you would turn there in your Bibles. I'm going to pray for some that need a healing from the Lord. So if you join me in prayer, Lord, we do pray for um, the Yurtassans, for Brandon and Anjali, uh, Brandon's back, Anjali's flu bug. We just pray, Father, that you would heal them, touch them, Lord. We continue to pray for Mariel's pain in her jaw and just this ongoing thing. There just seems to be this strange thing in our family with the, the women and their jaws. And so we just pray, Father, that you administer to them, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the quick recovery for Pete's, or from Pete's surgery. And we pray for Fran, Lord, as she's ongoing different medical procedures. But we just pray for a complete healing in her body as well. Father, there are so many right now that are sick and you know each one lord and we know that in this world we're not exempt from stuff we're not exempt from sickness or fever or bad backs or or those types of things but lord you tell us to pray and we're to pray for all things and so we do lift up these lord we pray that your will would be done in their lives lord i know and many of us would admit that there were times when we were down, when we were maybe bedridden, maybe sick and ongoing illness, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for a healing. We asked others to pray for our healing, but it didn't seem to come. And yet, I think many of us would, would say, but the Lord met me during that time in a special way. The Lord ministered to me in a special way during that time. Not in the healing, but through the sickness. Uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would minister to us tonight when we, as we're studying your word, give us insight, give us understanding, give us appreciation and love for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was thinking earlier today of uh, we have seen a, a very strange thing that has really surprised me personally. I hope that it's taken you by surprise. But it has surprised me how anti-Semitism has become, uh, has spread across the world so rapidly. And, um, you know, you, you think of this war that's happening in Israel, you know, Israel dealing with Hamas and, uh, and all. It hasn't been going on that long. We're not talking months. We're talking weeks. And it is just unbelievable how there is a main line accepted anti-Semitism in the world. And I hope that you know and I'm not saying this to scare anyone. I'm just simply saying this to warn you that the anti-Semitism will lead to anti-Christian, guaranteed. And we need to be settled in our faith. We need to be strong in the Lord. We don't want, you know, to vacillate. We don't want to deny that we know the Lord out of fear. We want to be strong. And, you, you know, some might think, oh, Dan, you know, it's just all a bunch of hype. Well, just wait and watch, and you'll see, because it's coming. You know, when you see uh, teachers, uh, you know, just recently a teacher, uh, her students, they were like a pack of dogs, and they were chasing her because she was a Jew. That was the only reason. And you see this all around the world, the anti-Semitism is unbelievable. It is demonic. 
It is really demonic in nature. But we're already beginning to see the anti-Christian. You know, the Jews, um, uh, you know, you, you hear the rhetoric, you hear the, just the hateful speech about them. If you're, if you're paying attention to what's happening in the world, there is hatred toward Christians. Usually it begins with uh, things like, you know, pro-life or issues, you know. But then everyone's kind of grouped in the same group. Oh, you're a Christian, that's why you're pro-life or anti-abortion is how they would see it. They don't see it as pro-life. And there is this hostility, this growing, it's amped up, it's amped up. And I'm telling you, it will be just as accepted in our country and other countries of the world as, as anti-Semitism is today. So we need to be aware of that. We need to be grounded in our faith so that we'll stand strong in the midst of persecution. Some of us don't believe there's ever going to be persecution, I think. And I doubt that any of us are really prepared for it. But I think that we need to realize, you know, Jesus could come back tonight, praise the Lord, that'd be wonderful, but, but uh, that does not, that does not, take away from the fact that we have Christian brothers and sisters that are being persecuted all around the world because they have the same faith in Christ that we have in Christ. So we want to be prepared for that. If you'd follow along, beginning in verse 1, David, the psalmist, wrote this psalm, Psalm 35, verse 1, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring it to pass. What is it? I don't know, but he's going to bring it to pass. It might have something to do with the rest of this. And he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. You know, this psalm was written by David in his old age. Now, how do I know that this psalm was written by David in his old age? Anyone? 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 David tells us that this psalm was written in his old age. In verse 25, he says, I, was, I have been young and now I am old. So David wrote this psalm in his old age. And he begins by saying, do not fret because of evildoers. Now, when you read that word fret, if you're like me, you're probably thinking of worry, anxiety. Are you thinking of that? That's what I think of when I read that word. Do not fret. Do not worry. Do not be filled with anxiety. But it's interesting, the Hebrew word that's used here literally means to glow with an L or grow with an R, warm, to blaze up with anger, to be envious. He says, do not fret. Do not get angry. Do not become jealous because of evildoers. You know, it's hard sometimes when you look at the wicked in the world and they seem to prosper. Asaph, uh, I love Psalm 53, or 73, excuse me. But, but he wrote this. You guys know the psalm. He kind of goes on, and you see how Asaph is really losing perspective in the beginning of that psalm, and then he gains perspective toward the end of the psalm. But he wrote this, I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Um, going back to the word fret, do not fret. Do not fret because of evildoers. 
I think of our English use of the word, I've already given it away, but uh, to fret or fretting, I think, of, I think of worrying. And because of my understanding of that English rendering of the word fret, um, I think of the words of Jesus, do not worry. David writes, do not fret. Jesus wrote, well, he didn't write. He spoke, do not worry. Do not worry. Or the old King James would read, take no thought for. Take no thought for. For what? For your life. Jesus says, be not anxious. Take no thought for. Don't concern yourself with. Don't be, full to be filled with anxiety and worry. The thing is, is that it's a natural thing to become anxious um, when we see the wicked prospering. It's easy to fret. It's easy to worry. It's easy to be filled <sighs> with anxiety. Now, let me kind of explain where I'm going when I make these statements, because you might be thinking, well, you know, Dan, I don't know that I get that upset when I see, you know, people prospering in their wickedness. I don't really care what they're doing. You know what I think of? I think of the different agendas that have taken place over the past few years. Of course, the, the COVID agenda, the open borders agenda, uh, you know, who's coming across? You know, we're, we're hearing that there are Iranians coming across, Palestinians coming across. I mean, we have all these different people that are enemies to the United States of America, i.e. enemies to the people of the United States, to Americans, and yet they're coming across the border. We have no idea how many. Um, it's an agenda. I think of the LGBT agenda. It's an agenda. I think of the BLM agenda. You know, their agenda is still going forward, even though they've been exposed. Most people don't even pay attention to what they're doing. This is why we need to be people who, who do our due diligence and educate ourselves on these things. And it really doesn't take much to educate. You know, you don't have to read a lot. You don't simply, you, sometimes you just have to listen to some good news broadcast, you know. You're not gonna find them on your television set. You're probably gonna have to go to a phone or a computer to find some of these news, uh, you know, venues. But I, but I think of the agenda, I think of a new one that we have, and this is one that most of us probably don't even think about, but we probably should be thinking about it, the AI agenda. You know, the AI agenda, uh, I can't help but think about it because my phone, since the last time it's been updated, my phone is, um, it wants to be monitored by an AI. It want, I mean, uh, neither, now it's hard for me to just go and do a search. I'm constantly on my phone when I'm studying. I will, um, if I'm looking for a verse, I don't remember the address of the verse, I begin to type it in and boom, it pops up. And then, I mean, it's a very fast thing to do. And now, um, since my phone has been updated, um, AI wants to take over. So it doesn't want to search for that. It wants to search for something else. And, and I think, isn't this interesting? And um, you know, this AI, it's something that's happening. It's really not happening under the covers, but, it, but most of us aren't really paying attention to it because most of us don't really understand the whole thing. I don't really understand the thing, but I know that it's going to be used for devious reasons. It's not going to be used for good things. The point I guess I'm making is that when I think of, you know, do not fret because of evildoers, I'm not necessarily thinking of individuals, though there are individuals behind all of these agendas. I'm thinking of the fact that wickedness in and of itself has an agenda. Wickedness has an agenda. You know, some might think, you know, Dan, you got to get over the COVID thing. You always talk about the COVID thing, the COVID thing, the COVID thing. You know what's interesting? Because of the COVID thing, two countries have radically changed. Two countries that I'm aware of. There might be other countries that I'm not aware of, but two countries that I'm aware of 
that have radically changed because of the COVID agenda. One of the countries is just north of us, about two hours, less than that, Canada. The other uh, country is Australia. Both of these countries, who at one time had a reputation of being kind of a peaceful place, you know, live and let live type of country, you know. Remember, uh, well, you, you might not remember, but during the Vietnam War, a lot of guys that did not want to go, they did not want to be drafted, or they were drafted and they didn't want to, you know, show up. They didn't want to go to war. They didn't want to go to Vietnam. Uh, they either went to Mexico or Canada. Do you remember, it wasn't that long ago that there was amnesty given to those who had gone to Canada. Many of them had gone to Canada, they had kind of settled in Canada and lived there in Canada. And then there was this amnesty because Canada just, you know, they weren't gonna kick these guys out and everything. But you look at Canada today because of the agenda, the COVID agenda. You say, what does COVID have to do with it? Well, COVID was, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying it wasn't something you know, that was made up or that it didn't exist. I think everyone in the room had COVID or has had COVID a number of times. But it's the agenda that was behind it. It's the, now we're going to flex our muscle. Now we're gonna see what we could make people do. And they found that they could make people do pretty much what they wanted. And we see in Canada, so many changes that have taken place in the government of Canada, did I say China? I meant Canada. In Canada, over the past three, almost, almost four years, so many radical changes. And, you know, I look at our own country, and um, our country, I don't know about you, I have, I have no confidence in this party or that party. I'm beyond that, you know. This president or that president, don't get me wrong, I think we could do a lot better than Biden. And hopefully, hopefully we do, you know. But, but, but my hope is not in that because each party, each president, each, you know, government has their own agenda. And the agendas of our government are many times wicked. You know, guys, uh, I don't want to carry on too long because it might upset some of you. No, I'm not. Okay. But you know, even presidents that we thought were born-again Christians. Remember Bush, W? He's a born-again Christian. Really? How about Jimmy Carter? Now, Jimmy Carter was a born-again Christian. Jimmy Carter is pro-abortion. I mean, that guy, he is so left, it's unbelievable. How about Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan, he's one of the good guys. He was a born-again Christian as well. And yet they had psychics coming into the White House when he was in the, the White House. So this title that seems to deceive many kind of naive believers, I don't think you could have a truly born-again president in office. I, number one, I don't think he would ever be voted in. He or she would ever be voted in. Number two, I don't think they would last very long because someone would want to take them out. If they truly sought godly, biblical principles, they would not last. Or their hands would be tied to where nothing would ever be accomplished. But it is troubling. We do fret. I fret. I get hot under the collar. I get anxious. I'm not jealous for it, but, I, but I, I'm troubled by these things. And yet David says, do not fret. Jesus says, do not worry. Jesus was speaking of stuff, remember? Clothing, food. He's speaking of stuff. Don't worry about stuff. David was speaking about people, the wicked, the evil. David writes, do not fret. Do not fret. Jesus said, do not worry. We're not to fret. We're not to get mad because or become anxious about people or stuff. And I need to be reminded of this from time to time. I don't know about you. Do you remember Bobby McFerrin? Don't worry. 
be happy. I think it was 1988. I remember the first time I heard that song, it was on the radio. I was in my car with uh, four high school boys. We were meeting up with some of the other high school kids. We were in Nevada City at a park. We were gonna play ball or whatever at the park. The radio was on, the song comes on the radio, and we all just busted up laughing. What in the world is this? Kind of had a Jamaica sound to it. But the lyrics, don't worry, be happy. Well, you know, the writer of the song really didn't get the phrase. He didn't come up with the phrase. It, it, it was from a, a guru from India, Mihir Baba, Mihir Baba. He would teach his disciples, don't worry, be happy. All the gurus had something that was kind of their unique thing. And uh, me Baba, it's not her Baba, me her, me her Baba is the name. Uh, this was kind of his thing. This is what he would teach his disciples. Now, David wasn't saying that. David wasn't saying, don't worry, just be happy. Just be positive. Just think good thoughts. Look, guys, I want you to, I want you to see the blessing in, in these verses. David was giving the remedy for fretting. David said that rather than fretting, we must look at it with your Bible, look at your Bibles. We must trust in the Lord, verse three. We must feed on his faithfulness, the second part of verse three. We must Delight yourself also in the Lord, verse 4. We must commit your way to the Lord, verse 5. Verse 5 again, further down. We must trust also in him, verse 7. We must rest in the Lord. And then the second part of verse 7, we must wait patiently for him. Seven Seven exhortations to focus on the Lord. The, the remedy for worry, the remedy for fretting is faith in the Lord. I mean, seven times there. By the way, we're just looking at the first eight verses. We're going to look at two other verses toward the end here. But I just thought this was so profound. You know, I've looked at this... Uh, psalm, I like the psalm, I've, I've taught the psalm before, but this time through, as I just was kind of reading the text, reading the text, reading the text, because that's how I am. I guess I'm kind of slow, and I need to kind of, you know, really ponder the text over and over again. And it just kind of was amazing to me that David was, in essence, saying the same thing, but adding a different element, a different dynamic to it. Trust, feed, delight, commit, trust, rest, wait, and it's all in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Faith is the remedy for fretting. Jesus said, again, Sermon on the Mount, same, same section where he says, do not worry. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? <sighs> you know, some things we should probably do more of, and other things we'd probably do less of. We probably should do less uh, watching TV or if you play video games. I think a lot of people waste a lot of time in front of a screen playing video games. I have a suggestion. How about watching birds? Um, you know, I always mention Vance Havner, and one of Vance Havner's hobbies, Vance, um, he wasn't married until he was in his 60s. He didn't get his driver's license until he was in his 60s. He said he had no need for one until then. 
he was married for a short period of time, and then his bride, you know, went home to be with the Lord. Traveling preacher, the most quoted preacher in America at the time. And he was a bird watcher. And many times in his books, he will talk about different birds. And, and I'll be honest, as a young man, when I first started reading Vance Havner, I kind of thought, man, that sounds like a, an old man's thing, you know, watching birds. Maybe it is an old man's thing. I don't know. We, um, Tracy and I, we, our backyard, you know, it, it backs up to some trees and, and it's just, um, we don't live in the woods per se, but, but we live in the country and, and at night we hear the owls, you know, hooting and, and all of that. And, and during the day we have these different birds and Tracy, Tracy has these names that she's made up for the birds. They're not the true names for the birds, you know, like the brown belly sap sucker or whatever, you know, and, and, um, and sometimes we'll just sit there and we'll look out or we'll sit out on the, you know, if it's nice weather. Oh, I wish we had nice weather. I'm really dreading this cold weather this year. But, you know, we'll sit out on our patio or backyard and just watch the birds. And, um, you know, and, and not just watch the birds for the sake of watching the birds, but, you know, we have a biblical worldview. So we could look at the birds, watch the birds, and I think that for both Tracy and I, scriptures like this, Matthew chapter 6, comes to mind when Jesus tells us to look at the birds. Look at the birds. Study the birds. Watch the birds. Um, <laughs> he says, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. You know, they're not fretting. They're not worrying. They're just doing their thing. And they, they seem to be at peace. They seem to be rested. They don't seem to be, you know, in any hurry to do anything. We watch the birds in our backyard, and sometimes, um, uh, you know, a flock will come in. They'll be there for a few weeks, and they just, for some reason, they're kicking up our bark, and they're digging in the ground, and they're doing what they're doing, and I'm out there, you know, putting the bark back where it needs to go and everything, and then they're gone. And then we have another group that will come in, and they're, they're kind of working on the, the worms on the grass, and so they're, they're out there grabbing worms and everything. And, and we just say, isn't that amazing how God created these creatures, you know? They know where the worms are. They dig down. They pull up this big old fat worm and suck it down or take it to a nest, you know? And, but I think when we, when we look at that and we say, again, we don't have a master, we don't have a Lord that says, don't worry, be happy. That's just stupid. We don't have um, men and women that lived before us that were followers of the Lord that says such things, you know, don't worry, be happy. We have men like David, you know, don't fret, don't fret, don't fret. Trust, feed, delight, commit, trust, rest, wait patiently for the Lord. And then verse 3, look what it says. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do good. Now, guys, you guys know we don't do good to earn salvation, but we should do good because we're saved. You know, um, the you think of all the hospitals that have been built in the name of Christ. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, remember the, the agenda? The agenda? Israel, those wicked people, those dogs. You know, they're bombing hospitals. Remember the hospital? It was a Baptist hospital there in uh, Gaza for the Palestinian people. Of course, you know, information came out. Uh, they weren't the one who... <laughs> Shut the it was another terrorist group, you know. Terrorist groups are at odd, they bad aims, you know, and everything. And, and but but I just think of I was thinking of the hospitals around the world that have been built in the name of Jesus. What's that all about? Do good. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Um, Deal Moody. Deal Moody, you know, was a a preacher, a traveling preacher. Uh, during the 
1800s. And, um, you know, he'd travel by ship, he'd travel by plane, uh, train, not plane. <laughs> he'd travel by, you know, animal, whatever. And um, D.L. Moody, you know, I, I have a number of books that I've read about D.L. Moody, and he seemed kind of like this larger-than-life guy. He was a big man, and um, he, in one of the books I have from him, there are letters that he had written. He could not spell. He had very poor grammar. He was not educated at all. But it's believed that he led hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Hundreds of thousands. You think about that. I mean, we, we don't even see that today with all the technology and easy travel and all of that. I mean, there are people that might claim such things. But, but D.L. Moody, he said this. He says, for our Lord Jesus Christ, do all the good you can to all the people you can, by all the means you can, in all the places you can, as long as you can, end of quote. And we should do good. We should do good. Look at verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desire of your heart. We're not to fret. We're to actively trust. We're to deliberately delight in him. So guys, again, I hope you're, you're picking up on the contrast. Don't do this. Do that. Don't do this, you're going to be miserable. Do this. Um, and he shall give you the desire of your heart. Well, we have New Testament verses for that, don't we? And then I think of 1 John, I think. But I, I'm just going to go right back to the text, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, the same section where he says, do not worry. In chapter 6, verse 33 of Matthew, he said this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first, seek first, seek first. I think so often we're filled with anxiety and worry and fretting and all of that because we're not seeking first the Lord, you know. We're seeking other things, or even our own thoughts, you know. I know better. I mean, it's just so silly. I hope, you know, all of us get there. I, I know that I'm getting there, that the longer I live, I am so blown away that the Lord is mindful of me. It's not because I'm this hidden sinner and he knows all my dark deeds. It's because I'm a man like any other man that sins, that fails, that's flaky at times and lazy at times and stupid at times, and yet he's mindful of me and he loves me and he loves us. And, and, and sometimes I think we kind of, maybe, maybe when we're first walking with the Lord, we just kind of think, well, that's what he does. Like he has to do it. Does God have to do anything? He chooses to do it. He chooses to love us. He chooses to be mindful of us. David, it's like he's, he's kind of steering the ship, you know, where you're going in the wrong direction. Don't fret. If you're fret, if you're, if you're getting hot about this, if you're, you know, Jesus would say, don't worry. Don't become anxious about these things. Uh, David would say, don't be jealous of those, you know. It seems like they get away with murder, and, and they're never called into account. And, and, and David, he, he's causing his readers, he wants his readers to gain perspective. You know what we know of David from the scriptures? When I read Psalms like this, I know that David wasn't writing from a perspective of, I know all things. David's writing from a perspective of one who learned these things. Because David would have been a man who would have fretted. He would have been jealous. He would have been angry. You know, guys, when you read the scriptures, Second Chronicles and Samuel and Kings, and David was a warrior. He was a man of war. David killed a lot of people. 
And, uh, you know, I don't think you do that with a smile on your face. And then you're sane enough to write scripture, uh, these psalms, these beautiful psalms, these worship. You have in David this, this kind of perplexed, you know, <laughs> person that, that, you know, he knows how to handle himself. Uh, he's, he's driven. He's passionate. But he loves the Lord. And you just kind of get this impression that David, you know, he comes home from a battle and he just sits there and maybe ponders, uh, what am I doing, you know? And I'm sure there were many regrets in David's life. But you know, guys, as a warrior, he was doing what God had called him to do. See, we're so um, politically correct today, you know, we, we almost, you know, you want, like the guys that came back from Vietnam, you know, you murderers, you murderers. No, they were soldiers. They were doing what they were supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? But David, you know, he was out doing what the Lord had called him to do. And, and, and yet when he would come back and he would just kind of maybe think about his life and think about his place and think about perspective, you wonder how many of these psalms David wrote later on in his life. Maybe it was reflecting back upon his life. Maybe it wasn't things that were happening in the midst of it. Maybe he was too anxious at the time. But later on, he realized, oh, oh, I wish I would have. I, I think it's good to constantly be growing. You know, David might, might say between the lines, you know, don't fret. I wasted so much time fretting. You know, I, I would say, uh, you know, don't be depressed. You know, you can't help it. You know, we think we can't help it at the time, but sometimes I, I think of how much time I wasted being depressed because I was in my own head. I mean, honestly, I'm ashamed of it. I ripped off my family at different times when my children were young because it's in my own head. Rather than, well, let me go through the list again. <laughs> Rather than, let me find my list here. I guess I got to go back. I thought, oh, I thought I had it twice. Rather than trusting in the Lord, feeding on his faithfulness, delighting yourself also in the Lord, committing my way to the Lord, trusting also in the Lord, resting in the Lord, waiting patiently, for the Lord. Well, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. You guys know what that word commit means. I know the ladies know because Tracy talks about this quite a bit, and I'm sure she's talked about it during her teachings. That word commit, it means to roll over onto. To roll over onto. Commit yourself to the Lord. It, it means to just kind of lay your whole weight upon the Lord. Yesterday, we were at the doctor's, and, and so I was getting my blood pressure checked, and the doctor said, um, loosen your arm. No, no weight. Don't hold it up at all. And I'm thinking about it, and she keeps telling me to do something that I'm, I feel like, it's loose. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't know. You know, and then I realized, but she's kind of picking my hand up, and she could tell that I'm, I'm still using my muscle in my arm to kind of hold my arm in a certain direction. Said, no, let it. Oh, there you go. There you go. And I couldn't even tell the difference. She could tell the difference because she was holding my arm. To me, it just felt the same, you know. But I think of that rolling over on two years ago when the Reipsters were living in their other house off of Swantown, we would always go over there. We always, every Sunday, we'd go to one of the family's houses, and uh, we were over there, and they had a hammock. It wasn't connected to a tree. It was one of those hammocks with the, you know, the metal rods and everything. And so um, I laid in that hammock, or I went to lay in that hammock, and I just thought, you know, my first thought was, is this thing going to hold me? And I think it would, would have if it, wouldn't, if it didn't swing out like this. I don't know what I did, but I landed on the bottom support bar of the right of my tailbone. 
And of course, and I just, oh, and, and you know, grandkids and kids and Tracy and they all run over and I just said, don't touch me. I don't want to move. I just kind of wanted the pain to settle before I got up, you know. And, and I'll tell you, I thought, I'm never going to trust that thing again. <laughs> now, it didn't do anything. I just, it just kind of slipped out from under me as I was trying to get into it. But I think of that. We could say, I'm com- I commit my ways to the Lord. But do we? I mean, really? Do we really do that? Is there always a, in our mind a backup plan? If this doesn't work, I could always fall back on that. Uh, you know, I, I, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know. And I think if we're honest, most of the time we're not fully committing, fully rolling off onto the Lord. To fully trust, holding nothing back, rolling it all upon Jesus. Again, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? (laughs) Remember, David, don't fret about people. Jesus, don't worry about stuff. Will he clothe you? I think of... In any church, you have... You have a mixed group of people. You, you'll have some people that are well off financially. You know, they, they just, it's not, it's just, they're, they're fine. They're good, you know. You'll have others that struggle financially. It's just, um, I, I think more and more, we're going to see more families struggling. I said this, I don't know, if I repeat myself, uh, I, I just, I'm old, so that's what old people do. But um, I said it to someone that uh, Tracy, uh, you know, was shopping for Thanksgiving. So all of the ladies in our family, they're all contributing to this great feast that we have, you know. And we have, um, what do we have, like uh, 20 feet worth of table or more, you know just this line of, you know, all, everybody, we're all at the same table now. And, and it's a, you know, it's a big ordeal. I, I love it. It is, it is a dream come true for me. It, it truly is. But um, Tracy, she's bringing in the grocery. I said, oh, let me help you, you know. She said, I, I got it. This is kind of the end of it. And, and she said, well, here's the turkey. Uh, this was like $69, something like that, 60-something dollars. I said, you got to be kidding. She goes, yeah. And so she's telling me how much the turkey is per pound. Well, I, I don't shop. I really don't. I'm, I'm so ignorant about stuff like that. Uh, you know, if anything ever happened to Tracy, I would be getting all my meals in a box, shipped to the house, you know, just trusting someone else. To take Tracy's taking so good, good, wonderful care of me. But anyway, so I said, so how many pounds is that? And da, da, da. I said, oh, what? That's a lot. And then she says, and then I got this, this ham, you know, because there's a lot of us. You've got to have a lot of food, you know. And, and, I, and she said, this was, and she gives me the price. And I immediately, um, well, to keep in context, I began to fret in our English use of the word. I began to worry. Not about us. I began to worry about people in the church. I began to worry about people in our neighborhood, I began to think, how in the world are families having a Thanksgiving meal? If a turkey, not, not that you're going to go out and get a turkey that big for a family of, you know, whatever, a smaller family, but still. And I think, I think in any church, you're going to have people that are they're well off or they're just kind of in the medium, you know, they're, just, they're comfortable. You're going to have people that are just struggling. And I want to say to the people that are struggling that it, I know it's a drag. You know, I, I know, Tracy and I know, we know what it's like not to have enough money to put into your gas tank. And you, you're, like, you're like dying to get off the island 
Not that you could afford to go anyplace, but just to go someplace. And, um, and, and to, you know, to uh, have the conversation. Uh, can we go in here and grab a bite to eat? You know, I'm thinking of the, the whole setting, you know. Now, you go into a restaurant, it's unbelievable how much it is. I mean, back then, you know, we could feed our family of seven, you know, <laughs> with, with so little compared to today. But, of course, we weren't making that much either. My, my point is, is that you go through those times, you hate it. You, you, you begin to wonder. We used to always have friends um, like our age that were well off. When they would say, we don't have money, and when we would say, we don't have money, we realized it meant two different things, <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? And, and you just kind of feel like that person. And I, I am, I'm so sensitive of that type of thing. You know, even with our family, for a long time, it probably bothered my family members because maybe we'd go out to lunch and I would kind of go up to one of my own, my kids, you know, and say, do you got enough? You want us to cover this? No, we're good. We're good, Dad. We're good, Dad. Or, yeah, yeah, could you, you know? Because I just know what it feels like to be that person. You know, you guys all want to go out to lunch? No, 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 we got other plans. But you have no plans. You just can't afford to go out. So where am I going with all this? I know that it seems like a drag. I know that it's hard not to get jealous, to fret. But I'm telling you, as you press into the Lord, as you trust the Lord, if the Lord tarries, you will look back on those times because you won't remain there. I mean, if you're doing your due diligence, you will not remain there. But you'll look back on those lean times and you will thank the Lord for them because the Lord has given you a sensitivity to other people that are presently struggling. You know what I mean? You're going to have a sensitivity that maybe other people don't have because they just can't even identify with that. In their mind, you know, it always, it always kind of like was a spear in the heart, you know, when, when you're struggling. And not, you're not telling people you're struggling because when you're struggling, you just don't talk about it. You know what I mean? But when you're struggling and someone says, yeah, I don't know, you know, people, they just don't know how to manage their money. And I'm thinking, manage their money? <laughs> We're managing it. It goes from the patient to the bank to the bill to the, it's God, it's managed. We manage it all until it was, you know. But, you know, things like that, because they've never, they've never struggled with that. Tracy and I, you know, both of us lived, our parents were not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but they were very, very well off. Her father was an architect. Her mother always was this entrepreneur. I mean, she worked for, you know, the TV station in Santa Barbara. I mean, Tracy's mom was always, like, doing something, the, the most amazing things. And then when she wasn't doing something, she would just kind of start her own business, you know. They move up from Santa Barbara, and, and she starts uh, Island Lady Antiques. And it's like this, like, super nice antique stuff. And they do that for a while. And it's like, you know, always doing something. My dad was a guy that kind of worked his way up from the warehouse into an executive position. You know, we lived in La Costa, which was like an upscale community in San Diego. Tracy lived in Penasquitas, which was, you know, this neighborhood. Even to this day, when we drive by our house, we think, isn't that a cool place? You know, they had a, the built-in swimming pool and the yard that goes way down. And, and you know, we just, uh, we lived very, very well when we were, growing up in our homes. But because we're hippies, you know, when we first got married, we thought, well, you know, we don't want, you know, our whole plan was, I mean, it seems so ridiculous now, we're going to go someplace in Homestead. It's like, where's that someplace? Like another world? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's like we thought we were like in the, you know, 1800s or something like that, and we're just going to kind of make our way and build our house and this type of thing, and, and we didn't have a penny, you know. And, and I remember that, and then I came to faith in Christ, 
And we just struggled and struggled and struggled. And my parents, or Tracy's parents, were always there to say, can we help you guys? Can we help you guys? Can we help you guys? And sometimes we'd let them help us. A lot of times we'd let them help us. And then, you know, it was kind of that turning point for me where I felt like we've got to trust the Lord. And, and we talked and we said, yeah, let's just, let's just trust the Lord. Let's just see what the Lord's going to do with this. I, I know I'm rambling with this, but I, I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling, I know that it's miserable. I know that you feel like down here. It's like a hidden thing. You don't want to talk about it. You're embarrassed about it in many ways. But I'm telling you, if you press into the Lord, if you call out to him, if you're depending upon him, if you roll off onto him and say, Lord, we belong to you, you know what you're going to find? You've never gone without. He's always been faithful. He has blessed you beyond measure. I think of raising our kids with the little money that we, you know, um, you know, again, tracing... I'm 65, so I have to go on to Medicare. And so Trace was talking, we were talking about this yesterday, coming back from the doctors, and, and so we got to cancel, you know, our subsidized insurance <laughs> for the Medicare. And um, so we're talking about that. And um, Tracy said, well, I don't know, you know, um, she just had kind of a brain lapse, you know. She said, I, I, we might have to pay more uh, they have it broken down, and so if you make like, you know, like $94,000, you kind of have to pay more. And I looked at her, and I said, what? <laughs> she goes, well, if, you, you're, if you're at like 90000 or something. I said, babe, <laughs> you know how much we make. We're not even in the, <laughs> the zone of $90,000. <laughs> A year. Because, oh, that's right. That's right. We won't have to pay anything. You know, we'll pay very little, you know, type of thing. It's because the Lord is so good. That's right. Feel like that. That's right. We feel like we're rich, huh? That's right. Yes. That's right, babe. And 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 that's the thing. I just we just want to encourage you that that if you press in, if you trust the Lord, you'll find that you've never gone without and that He's blessed you in different ways. We would go, we would take our kids to Whistler. How'd you do that? Tracy's parents had a place up in Whistler. We'd go up to Whistler. I mean, we're living large. We couldn't afford to go to any restaurant, but the spaghetti factory, that was the cheapest thing in Whistler, but we went to Whistler. And, and, and we would go to, you know, and, and, and Tracy's parents always lived in gorgeous places. You know, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara's a really nice place to go and visit when you're poor. Because you got the beaches, and you walk along, and you go out to the pier, and you splurge on some ice creams. You know, they'll cost you about 100 bucks. But, but anyway, the, the point is, is that God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And you'll learn to appreciate it one day. Probably not until you come out of that, honestly. Once you come out of it and, you, and you're kind of sitting and, and, uh, and it might be, it might take a while. It might be when the kids are gone. It might be when the nest is empty. It might be then that you and your, your wife, your husband, which, by the way, stick with each other. Man, stick with each other. You have, you have a history with each other. Can you imagine sitting across a table with someone that, you know, you've, you've, you've been married to for five years, you know, and what history do you have? Five years of history, you know? Stay with your spouse. Love your spouse. I'm all over the map here. I always am, aren't I? Anyway, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 30, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then verse 7 of our text, he says, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Again, Jesus said, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? What, what, what? No. Trust. Feed. Delight. Commit. Trust. Rest. Wait patiently for him. I might add, wait patiently for him. Some of you have been dealing with chronic illness, uh, health issues, and, you know, we pray, 
And sometimes, if we're not really pressing into the Lord, we begin to fret. And not because of evil doing, doers, but because the Lord doesn't seem to be answering our prayers. Lord, you tell us to pray. You tell, I, I, I need help. I, I need relief. Roll off onto him. You know, there's, there's kind of this, this realization, maybe the Lord doesn't have a healing for me. Is that okay? You know, when you put it in the perspective, like, is that okay with you? Can you imagine the Lord saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Is that okay with you? Yes, Lord. <laughs> That's okay with me. That's okay with me. I mean, guys, anything more than what we have already received, the abundance of what we have received from the Lord is just cup overflowing. Rest and wait. Do you normally put those two together? <laughs> it's hard to wait, to rest when you're going through difficulties. When David would say, when the evil are prospering around you. The verb rest means to be silent, to be still. I'm still, Lord. I was talking to some pastor friends of mine yesterday. We do a Tuesday morning Zoom prayer every Tuesday, just for a half hour. And it's kind of cool, you know, we have pastors from all over the region, and we just pray. And, and so one of the guys, you know, we're, we're looking at each other. You can only see, you know how Zoom works. You only see the face of the person who's making the noise, and, so, or, and your own face. And so one of the guys said, uh, Kevin Lee, he said, Dan, are you doing all right? I said, yeah, I'm doing okay. And, I, and then I said, well, you know, I've got vertigo, and I've got, I got this, and I got that, and I got, you know. He said, well, let's pray. So all the guys prayed for me. And then afterwards, some of the guys sent texts to me. I'm sorry, Dan, that your vertigo is back. You know, I'm praying for you. Da, da, da. You're doing okay. Is there anything we could do, you know? And as I'm responding to the brothers at different times, my heart was really overflowing with joy. And I said, you know, the Lord has been so good to me. And he, his grace is sufficient. And somehow the Lord enables me to do the things I want to do and I need to do. So I'm good. Don't stop praying, but I'm good. See, th that's that resting in the Lord, waiting on the Lord. Again, Jesus, I'm almost done. I would have been done a long time ago if I wouldn't have got off on these things. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? I already read that. So let's go on. Verse 8, cease from anger. Of course, that comes right back to, you know, do not fret. Um, re remember the meaning, the Hebrew word to glow or grow warm, to blaze up with anger or jealousy. Again, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, sufficient for today is its own trouble. One of our sisters was diagnosed with cancer, church sisters here. And uh, I said, oh, that's so hard. We'll, we'll be praying for you. And it has been hard. You know, the ongoing treatment for different cancers are just horrible, horrible. But it was, it was like, um, you know, almost like I'm dying. I'm dying. So I asked. The question, did the doctor say you're dying? No, but I have this cancer. I just know I'm going to die. I said, well, well, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't go there. And there were some other kind of sisters around her, and they were sympathizing with her because, you know, sisters can do that. They can really sympathize with people. And I said, you, you just don't want to go there. Well, I, I just know it, Dan. I, I, I know it, I, Pastor Dan. I, I know that I'm, I'm going to die. I said, you know what? You're borrowing trouble. Don't do that. 
And some of the ladies got upset with me because I wasn't being sympathetic. And I was saying, I'm being sympathetic. I'm encouraging my sister to not borrow woe because she does not know the outcome. Would you rather be optimistic, faithful, rolling over onto the Lord, trusting in him, waiting on him for six months, a year, two years, and then dying of cancer? Or be miserable for that next six months, year, or two years? Well, it could be today. I think it's going to be today. No, you, you understand what I'm saying. If you're on death's door, then no one's blaming you. I'm not blaming anyone anyway. I'm just simply saying we bring it on ourselves so often. You know, this is it. This is how it's going to end. I don't know how many times I've said that in my lifetime. It is like the Lord is like, you know, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope, nope. You're wrong again. <laughs> nope. we got to be careful of that. Would you go over to verse 23 and 24? The steps of a good man or woman are ordered, look at that, ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Guys, please, don't miss this. The word delights in verse 23 is a different word than the word delight in verse 4. The word delight in verse 4, do you remember that? Delight in the Lord, remember that? What, what does it say? Read it to me. <laughs> Come on, a little more enthusiasm. Okay. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Yes, okay. All right, so that word, it means, and, and it's the person, right? It's the person. We are to delight yourself also in the Lord. It means to be soft and pliable. Yes, Lord. Whatever you say, Lord. Wherever you want to go, Lord. Whatever you want to do, Lord. Soft and pliable. The word delights in verse 23 and and who's doing the <laughs> the delighting <laughs> that's not the right grammar but who's doing the who's 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 delighting here lord. it's the lord the lord is delighting it's the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord he the lord delights in his not god's but the man the woman's ways that word means to incline, to bend, to be pleased with, to desire. I love this. David, in verse 4, David says, listen, this is what we're supposed to do. God's people, delight yourself also in the Lord, verse 4. And then David goes on to say, and verse 23, the Lord delights, he inclines to, he bends toward, he's pleased with, he desires the good man, the good man. Now, remember Jesus, there are no good. It's obviously speaking of the person who does all the things that were listed. Trust, feed, delight, commit, trust, rest, wait patiently for the Lord. What does it look like to trust, feed, delight, commit, rest, <laughs> trust again, rest, and to wait on the Lord? It means to be soft and pliable to the Lord. Would you help us, Lord, to do that, please? We could be so rigid. We could be so set in our ways. We could think 
so arrogantly that we have the answer. We know what you need to do. Lord, forgive us. Even our prayers, they're almost instructing you rather than asking you, approaching you, loving you, beseeching you. Help us, Lord, to be pliable. Help us, Lord, to comply, not to the, not to the, the, the evils of this world, but to the righteousness of you, our God. We love you, Lord. Help us to pray for those that are struggling, that are going through it, Lord, as we, we just know different people are going through things. Help us to be people that, that, that encourage those who are really struggling. Help us, Lord, to finish strong, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.